Amen. Hi, everyone. Are you blessed? Amen. Just want to say welcome back to Pancho. Welcome back. See that you're walking around now. That's kind of walking around now. That's good. That's good. I'm glad to see you, bud. Um, if you want to open your Bibles with me today to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, my, my heart is a little heavy, but I think it's because of this, this word that, that God wants to share. We're going to read all of Kings. No, I'm just kidding. That's a big book. So are you there? All right. Just keep your, your hand there. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you today about something I've entitled Never Bow. And it's a story of Elijah that many of you have heard, especially if you grew up in church or if you've been in church for a while, you've heard the story of Elijah and what happens in this part of the story, and it's really impacting and powerful. <clears throat> so Elijah has, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Elijah has uh, declared that there will be no rain in, in the land, right? So he says there's not going to be any more rain, thus saith Elijah, because the Lord says, of course. And uh, they haven't seen him for a while, and there's a king. His name is Ahab. His wife, his wife's name is Jezebel. Anybody ever heard of Jezebel? Maybe? Okay. Anybody ever call anyone Jezebel? No, don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, so King Ahab is looking for Elijah, and he's looking for him everywhere. And Elijah is nowhere to be found. And he doesn't want to talk to him. He wants to kill him. Amen? So... Uh, he finally comes out, Elijah comes out of hiding, and um, some, some helper uh, of the king, King Ahab, his name is Obadiah, this is all in chapter 18, sees Elijah and says, oh my God, Elijah, you're alive. He kind of get, gets along with this, this one. Obadiah is actually kind of like a good guy because there was a lot of prophets back then, especially because Elijah was like a teacher of the prophets, like he led other prophets. There was a, a time where there was a hundred prophets, and Obadiah had hid them in caves, like 50 here and 50 there. So there was a lot of prophets back then. So he sees Elijah, and he's like, oh, my God, Elijah, like, where you been? I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen your Facebook status in a while. Like, you've been so lost, right? He's, like, gone off the map. And he's like, I want to talk to King Ahab. And he's like... Are you sure about that? Because if I go get the king and then you're not here, he's going to kill me. He's like, no, let's meet at the place of sacrifice in the city and tell him that I'll be there and tell him to bring all the prophets of Baal. You guys have heard this part. I mean, raise your hand if you've heard this part of the story. All right, like three of you. Cool. Just kidding. It was a lot. So they meet at this place and 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherath are there. And he challenges the 450 prophets of Baal to a duel. Amen. So he's like, all right, so you guys will build an, alt an altar and put your sacrifice on it and pray to your God. And if fire rains down, then I'll bow to your God. And then uh, if it doesn't happen for you, then I will do the same thing and we'll see whose God is real. Whose God is really God, okay? So then the prophets of Baal begin to do their thing. They, they set up their altar. They, they do the sacrifice, and they lay it on the altar, and then they begin to, to pray. 
and to chant and to do whatever they did. Can you, you can imagine. And uh, they started in the morning, let's say like 9 a.m. at the time of sacrifice. And they went all afternoon praying, nonstop. There's 450 prophets. So they were nonstop praying and, and, and asking their God to, to rain down fire and nothing, nothing. Because, like, God doesn't have an equal, amen? There's no equal to God. The devil is not an equal to God. God is way more powerful than Satan. There's no, Satan is a creation that went bad. He, there's no equal to God. And so they're, they're chanting and they're praying all afternoon. And Elijah starts to mock them, starts to make fun of them. Hey, maybe your God's on a break. He's like, maybe he's asleep right now. Maybe he doesn't hear you. He's hard of hearing. Why don't you do it a little louder? And they keep going. And he says, maybe your God went to the bathroom to relieve himself. And he's mocking their God and nothing's happening. So last resort, they start to cut themselves to see if that would work. And nothing, nothing worked. The devil's tricks are tricks. They don't work against God. And so Elijah sets up his altar the altar was broken down. He has to build it back up. Twelve stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Sets the, the wood and sets the sacrifice on top. Actually builds a trench around the altar. And tells the people, I want you to bring jars of water. And start to pour the water on the altar. How many know fire and water don't usually mix? So they, he puts water and then he's like, bring water again and bring water again. And he fills up the trench with water. Everything's wet. He lays the sacrifice on the altar and begins to pray, Lord, show your people that you are real. Now, from Elijah's eyes, he is the only believer right now. It's so dark. At this time in Israel, it's so dark. He thinks he's the only one left. And he says, Lord, show your people that you are real and show them that I am your prophet. And fire rains down from heaven. Praise the Lord. Give God a hand. That's so good. That's so good. Fire rains down from heaven because fire always rains down on sacrifice to God. When you bring your sacrifice to God, your worship to God, in other words, fire will rain down on it. Fire rains down. And the Bible says that it sucked up all the water, that the fire was so hot, so powerful, that it sucked up all the water. There was no water left. And everyone that was present, except for the prophets of Baal, bowed down to the Lord. They bowed their faces to God. They bowed down to God and worshipped him. The people of Israel hadn't worshipped God in years. They hadn't seen God work these miracles in years. And they bowed down. Fire came down. King Ahab was there. The prophets were there. Then Elijah says, bring me all the prophets of Baal. He brings them down to a place, 
gets the sword and kills all of them. I know, Old Testament stories. Someone should make a movie. I'm just saying. Anyway. Kills all the prophets. I know, there was no grace back then. Kills all the prophets. And Ahab the king was there, and he, he leaves. And he gets on his chariot, and he's going to his wife to tell on Elijah to his wife. What a punk! He goes to, to Jezebel to tell on Elijah. On his chariot, and the Bible says that Elijah... God gave him supernatural strength. And he ran after the chariot and caught up with the chariot. I mean, this is a man of God. This is a powerful prophet. This is a powerful man of God doing the work of God. Runs after King Ahab in the chariot. Catches up to him and gets to the gate. And Ahab's like, I'm going to go tell I'm going to tell La Hefa. So that's where we pick up in 1 Kings 19. <clears throat> when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow... I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. He wanted to be alone. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree. It's not good to be alone. And prayed that he might die. This is his prayer. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave. Where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him, and, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus when you arrive there anoint Haziel to be king of Aram or Syria then anoint Jehu grandson of Nimshi to be king of Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from the town of Abel Meholah to replace you as my prophet anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Praise God. The powerful man of God, Elijah, the prophet, who just made fire rain down from heaven, killed 450 demonic, devilish prophets. Because Baal is a demon god. And you should know that. It wasn't just they were worshiping some weird idol. It was Satan himself that they were worshiping. Elijah has this powerful moment in his ministry. And then all of a sudden he's a different person. I don't know if you've ever been in a battle. But it can change you sometimes from who you truly are. And I want you to know this afternoon that there are seven things to know in war that I, that I pulled from this. Seven things that you should know. You should write these down. The first, things, the first one is that there are seasons of battle. There are seasons of battle. There are times where you're going to be in battle, but you should know that the enemy has been destroyed and defeated. The enemy wants to destroy you, but he has little power and no authority. Little power and no authority. Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So go, he said. So the devil has little power because he does have some power. The power wasn't taken away from him, but our power is greater. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. He has little power and no authority. No authority. And you should know that you have all authority in Jesus' name. God was not scared of Jezebel's words. God has no equal. He has no equal. The enemy is no equal to him. The Bible says that the enemy is around us like a roaring lion, waiting for his chance to devour us. So you should know this. You should know that you have an enemy in your life. When you choose Jesus Christ, you chose a team. You can't play the middle. 
You cannot play the middle. You're on a team and the other team wants to destroy you and they hate you. They hate your light. They hate, they hate the fact that you don't give up. That life hits you and hits you and you keep believing in God. And they're like, how do they keep believing in God? They don't even see him. They hate you. They don't understand compassion or grace or love or peace or joy. They don't understand those things like we do. So they hate you and they want to destroy you. But they won't. They will not. Amen? Maybe Elijah didn't fully understand that he was in an actual war. And he didn't expect that he would be attacked the way that he was. And so sometimes the Bible, you know, says to be alert, to be sober, to stand firm, to put the armor. Why do you put an armor on? To put the armor of God on for what? To just sit there? No, because you're in a war. And sometimes soldiers are in a war and sometimes they're in battle and sometimes they're not. Sometimes you hit the front line and sometimes they don't. But you're in a war still. And there'll be times where you're stepping out in faith, when you're believing God for greater things, and the enemy is going to attack you. Because he doesn't want you to complete your destiny in this life. He wants to destroy your life. But the enemy has little power and no authority. The second thing is words have power. We, we need to camp on this one. Words have power. Elijah heard words from a messenger. It wasn't even Jezebel herself. It was a messenger that she sent. But the words had power behind them because Jezebel was basically a witch. She served Baal. She served Satan. And so she sends her messenger with these words, he could have been talking Spanish for all we know. But the thing is that those words have power. And when you believe them, it gets worse. And that's what Elijah did. He believed those words. What are you believing in your heart? What are you believing in your mind? Man, you need to get this. Look, I, I've been in... in, in in battles with, 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 with the devil and, and, and these things. I, I know what I'm telling you. But listen to this statement. Power makes you feel things. When you feel God's power, you feel things. You feel peace. You feel joy. You feel love. It gives you patience. You feel like you can sing better. Preach for hours, I, I won't, but, you know, under God's power. When you believe the lies of the enemy, those things make you feel things also. And because you feel them, you think that that's you. When you feel worthless, when you feel down, oppressed, depressed, and sad, and lonely, you think that's you, but that's from outside of you. But you're believing it like it's you because you feel it. Power makes you feel things. Not everything we feel is truth. 
Elijah shouldn't have ran. He just made fire rain down from heaven. He could have done it again. But the Bible says, so Jezebel sent his messenger, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Not everything you hear is from God or even from you. There's some things that you, and you got to distinguish those. If they make you feel hopeless, it's not God. Plain and simple. Because God is about hope. He's about faith. He's about security and love. If it makes you feel any different than that, it's not God. And you cannot entertain those thoughts. You cannot continue to think those thoughts and play with them in your head. And you're like, yeah, what if I'm worthless? What if no one likes me? What, what if I'll never get to that place that I dream about? What if my dreams, God doesn't care about them? Hopelessness is not from God. And Ahab ran. He just ran. I'm going to go tell the boss lady. The third one is men of prayer. I, I want to challenge the man in this room this afternoon. We need men of prayer, y'all. It's awesome when women pray. It's awesome when mom and wife and, and women pray. But we need men to be men of prayer. We need to stop being boys and be men that God has called us to be. Men of prayer that are not led by emotions and feelings, but by faith in God. We need men of prayer in this church. So I better see you here that first Saturday of October. I want to challenge us men to pray, to pray for our church, our families. Men that cover, cover with prayer. Men that cover, husbands that cover, cover with prayer. We need men of prayer. It's cool that you enjoy sports and and video games and, and trucks. Right, Kev? It's cool. All that is fine. But we, if you're not praying, you're wasting your time. Can I get an amen from the men? Amen. All right. We shall see. Isaiah 43, 2. Check this. Check this out. Put it up, uh, Edwin, please. <clears throat> Mark this. Write this down. This is amazing uh, a verse here. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God is good. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Amen? So what happens here after number four for Elijah? Number four is he gets rest and nourishment. Isn't it amazing what happens? He says, he laid down. Verse five, he laid down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some 
bread baked on hot stones in a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down. There's no rest and nourishment like the rest and nourishment that God provides. We need rest. We need to rest physically. Like some of y'all just need a nap and go to sleep. We, we need to rest physically, but we also need to rest in the Lord. That we're in his hands, that he has it all figured out, that we can trust him. That's rest, is trust. We need rest, but we also need nourishment. We need to be fed. We need the word to be in our heart. We need to read the word, hear the word. Because faith comes by hearing. So Elijah's there and he's resting. And, and he goes to sleep, and then he, he gets woken up, and the angel gives him food. Food prepared by an angel. Come on, somebody. We need to rest. We need that Psalm 23 rest. You should know Psalm 23. It should be part of your lifestyle, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or I lack nothing like other versions say. Right? Psalm 23. Read that psalm. When you need rest, read it over and over when you need to trust God more, when you need to stop strategizing and trying to figure out, just chill, rest in the Lord. Amen. Running away is not rest. Running away is not rest. You need to confront the situation. You need to be there in that situation, running away. It's not rest. It's running away. So you're running away from your problems. Oh, I need a vacation. No, you got to deal with your issues because when you come back, they're going to be there. Number five, my favorite, perspective is a choice. What you perceive is a choice. Please listen to this. God, the first thing is God is in the details. I said, God is in the details. Elijah wanted God. He saw the wind and he saw the fire and the earthquake. He's like, it's got to be God. And God wasn't there. And then he heard a sound of a whisper. Shh. A sound of a whisper. And I said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he heard God's voice. We miss God sometimes in our life. And he's working things out. In our life daily, he speaks to us through someone that we don't even know sometimes. And you miss it. And you don't pay attention to it because you don't pay attention that God is in the details. Pay attention to God. He's speaking to you. In random places, he's speaking to you. The second thing is you're not alone. This is all perspective. You're not alone. Well, what's Elijah's prayer every time? Uh, uh, Elijah, what are you doing here? Lord, uh, your people have broken the covenant. Uh, uh, they broke down your altars and they killed all the prophets. And I'm the only one left, Lord. And then the, and God asked him again, uh, uh, Elijah, what are you doing here, Lord? Your people have broken the covenant, Lord. The altars have been broken, and they've killed all the prophets, and I'm the only one left. (laughs) 
But perspective will tell you that you're not going through what you're going through alone. Because God says, you think you're the only one that hasn't bowed down to Baal? I have 7,000 others. 7,000 others. You think you're going through what you're going through and no one ever has gone through what you're going through? And you're the only, oh, woe is me. I'm the only prophet left. And they want to kill me too. No, God is with you. And there are 7 million other believers with you going through who knows what in, in, in the Middle East, in Asia, where they can't worship God. You're not alone. You're not alone. Oh, we're so cool out here in the United States. Oh, yeah, I got my, got my problems, you know. You know, we ain't got problems over here. I want to be part of the 7,000. I want to be 7,001. Elijah was 7,001 and he didn't know it. It's perspective. Don't focus on what, what's not happening. But focus on what God is doing. Let God give you perspective. Elijah was complaining about, what was he complaining about? Covenant, altars, and prophets. But there was a big plan. Jesus came to give us a new covenant to make us his altar and to fulfill the law and the prophets. There was a big plan. That's, that's the number six. You're part of a greater plan. You might think, man, what am I doing? What are we doing at Grace and Love Church? There's 45 of us. What are we doing? We're part of a greater plan. Elijah was doing what he could. It seemed small, and it wasn't, right? It looks big to us, but it seemed small to him. But God's plan was great. We may not see the big plan in its entirety. We can't maybe, you know, take in the entire plan of God for this world. Because he does have one. But we have our part in it. And what God has called you to do to do your part, do it. And that's what Elijah figured out. We will not stop until all see and believe in Jesus. That should be your driven force. Man, people need Christ right now. The country is divided. The world is divided. There's all these things happening. People are suffering. What do they need? Jesus. They need the kingdom people like you to step up and say, hey, hey, I have compassion. I have love. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to do my small part. You can't change the world. I can't change the world. But Jesus can, but, and we can change our surroundings, those around us. Number seven, God says, go. Go. I love it. Let's, let's read it. I think it's, <laughs> what are you doing here, Elijah? 14, he replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left. You're never going to read that again the same. And now they are trying to kill me too. 
Then the Lord told him, go. Go. Go back. Go back the same way you came. Go back the same way you came. Go back. Go back to what? Go back to to your first love, which is Jesus. Go back to serving him. Go back to to praying for people like you used to. Go back to worshiping him like you used to. Go back to reading his word like you used to. Go back. Go back the same way you came. He sends Elijah to anoint the next generation of leaders. Grows Grows his ministry in 24 hours. He is no longer complaining. Fear has left. Heavenly perspective has set in. He is rested and nourished and ready to do greater works. Do you notice that God never addressed his complaint? Let's talk about it. Man, God is so awesome. He's like a good dad. He never, ever addressed what he was complaining about. But he gave him the medicine that would help him continue. So you may not receive the exact answer that you're looking for, but you'll receive the solution that you need. It might not be the exact answer that you're looking for from your complaint. Because you can't complain. It's not, it's not bad. But you need perspective and all that that I talked about. But you might not receive the answer that you're looking for. You might not receive God saying, yes, you're right. You're the only one left. You might not receive that but you will receive the solution that you need. Never bow, church. That's a statement that Grace and Love Church will use from now on. Never bow to the enemy's lies. Never bow to fear. Never bow to depression. Never bow to the lies that are told in your mind and in your heart. Never bow to those things. Only worship God. Only worship Jesus. Only bow to him. Only serve him. Let him lead you. No. No, devil, we will not bow. And there are millions like us. And we will follow Jesus until the end. When you take risks, when you go after, you know, things that God has put in your heart, attacks come. So we're going to pray for that today. We're going to pray for those of you that have fear in your life because fear should not exist in your life. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street. Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.